Is That Really in the Bible? presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. Well, good afternoon. So next week is Pentecost weekend. So I thought I would talk about this week, I thought I'd talk about revival. Is revival breaking out in America? They don't laugh at that. I mean, that's, that's not a joke, but the uh, <laughs> reason I mentioned this is about a couple months ago, there was, a, I think it was Ashburn, Kentucky. There was a lot of videos going on about, and a lot of comments about revival has broken out. And it was a big church. A lot of people were flocking to it. I watched a video clip of it, and, and it was, you know, people singing, dancing, praising God. And I, I, I sort of thought, when I watched the video, I thought, well, that sort of looks like the feasts where we go to. I mean, as far as if you were to scan the audience, you know, there are people maybe moving and dancing in the aisle and, and raising their hands and praising God. And I thought, well, you know, that, that looks similar to what I've seen at our feast site. But... I think there's a great misunderstanding about what revival is and how people look at it as far as what is real revival. Now, as far as people's hearts are concerned, Lord knows we need revival. Spiritually, we are dead. As a nation, we are dead. Our government is dead. Sometimes you wonder if our leaders are not on the verge of, you know, their last heartbeat or whatever. Our entertainment is dead. Our schools are dead. Our wisdom is dead. We need something. We need revival. You know, there was a, I don't know if you got to watch it, but Matt Walsh on the Daily Wire, he does a documentary on what is a woman. And he goes around the United States and to other countries asking the question, what is a woman? And really, no one can answer the question. No one can honestly answer the question. And you see people, you know, you see, okay, boys wanting to be girls, girls wanting to be boys. And, you know, if you think about, maybe they haven't learned where we, where we came from yet, you know. I mean, if you think about how did we all get here? Okay, two people, male and female, got together in love. Hopefully they were married, but, but, you know, maybe not. And a, you know, a male sperm, uh, sperm cell united with a egg, a female egg, and a new life was born. And nine months later, you know, that's how we all got here. We did, there is no other way to get here. And hopefully one day these people who think they can, uh, a man thinks that I can be a woman, or a woman thinks I can be a man, hopefully one day they'll learn this. You know, how, how did I get here? Okay, only one way to get here. Then, of course, our society, you know, it's, it's, it's out of kilter. It's out of whack. It's, it, it's, it's sick to the core. It's rotten. You know, I mean, I think about the homosexual agenda. You know, I think of marriage that, you know, this precious thing called marriage, now two men can get married or two women can get married. And I'll never forget one year at the feast, uh, we, we took uh, Fred and Melba, Fred Carroll, that's uh, Freddie's father, and he comes from that generation, you know, when 
I think it was Pagan Noonan wrote a book when character was king. That second, you know, World War II generation, uh, not that they were perfect, I'm not saying that, but they knew right from wrong, I can guarantee you that. And uh, we were eating at a restaurant and this gay guy was serving us. Of course, Fred was there, you know, Fred about 70 years old and Fred, Fred was just, just looking, looking, wasn't smiling or anything, we're just looking at him, you know, like, what is this? And, and when he left, and he's, this, this guy's mincing around, you know, can I take your order and all this? I'm not good at imitating those people, but anyway, uh, 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 when he left, Fred said, I believe that guy is a little bit light in his loafers. And I had never heard that expression in my life. Light in his loafers. <laughs> <laughs> I got the biggest kick out of that. I think that guy's light in his loafers. So when it comes to revival, Lord knows we need it. We praise thee, O God, for thy son, thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Now what's interesting about that word is the word is not found in your Bible. That's one interesting thing. The word revival is not found in the New Testament. Neither Jesus nor Paul nor any other biblical writer encouraged prayer for revival. The closest thing that you find for God's people similar to a revival is the feast days. Now I want you to think about that. These are, you know, set in motion, set in place. You know, I want you to have revival at my feast days. The Feast of Tabernacles. I mean, the, the, uh, these are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations which you pr shall proclaim in their season. And of course, the Passover introduces the feast. But, you know, the Feast of Unleavened Bread answers the question. This is something to, to get excited about, to have revival over. Shall we continue, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. You know, you think about, okay, what about this addiction? What about this thing I can't stop? which is, of course, called sin, you know. And there is a message of a way out. I'm not saying you can be perfect. I'm not saying that you can go through the entire rest of your life once you're baptized, never sin again. I'm not saying that. But there is victory. There is victory in Jesus Christ. So, you know, God's people, I want you to come together on these occasions. I want you to have revival. I want you to be revived. It's an important point. Pentecost, receiving the Spirit of God. I mean, we think about what happened on the day of Pentecost. That was big time, you know, a big movement there. Uh, God is now calling a first fruit. God is now calling a first fruit, you know, and, and the Spirit of God is now available. I'm going to write my laws upon your hearts and your minds through my Spirit, the first fruits that God is now calling. Feast of Trumpets. Again, you talk about revival. I mean, what is our hope? Is our hope in this world? Do we think, you know, we get the right man in the White House, that everything's going to be solved? No. I mean, this, at the Feast of Trumpets, we look to, well, you know, you look at the world. You look at all the things that are wrong with the world. There was a song by Anne Mary, Mark Murray, A Little Good News. She says, there's a local paper rolled up in a rubber band. One more sad story, one more that I can't stand. 
Just once I'd like to see the headline say, not much to print today, can't find nothing bad to say. <laughs> nobody robbed a liquor store on the lower part of town, nobody OD, nobody burned a single building down, nobody fired a shot in anger, nobody had to die in vain. We sure could use a little good news today. You know, you're only, you know, I remember, well, for your Star Wars, Star Wars buffs, you know, uh, Leah, the princess, R2-D2, she puts a message in there and says, you're, you're our only hope, Obi-Wan Kenobi, sends them out into space somewhere. Okay, the return of Jesus Christ is our only hope. It is, I mean, it really is. And... But while we're talking about this, what about the resurrection? You know, we all die. It's important, appointed to all men to die. We all die, but we don't have to stay that way. And I mean, that, that's great news. That's something to get excited about. That's revival. <laughs> Even atonement. You know, I know, you know, atonement, we struggle with atonement because we can't eat. And our, you know, our bellies, you know, like that belly God, you know, we just can't, can't resist that food. It's, it's a tough one, I admit. But if you think about, okay, the atoning work of Christ, not only did Christ die for my sins, but he bore our sins. And we have a living high priest that we can go to daily if necessary and say, Father, I've screwed up again. I need forgiveness. Revival is not just for the sake of feeling good. And I think sometimes that's what I see in a lot of churches, you know. Uh, you can't really call that revival. Revival is for the purpose of achieving the, the, an end goal with a specific result. You know, the biggest revival concerning God's feast days, the Feast of Tabernacles, something that we all look forward to, a seven-day celebration where we are, you know, we admit we are tabernacling in this physical body. This physical body get, wears out, it gets old, and it wears out, and it dies. We look forward to the Feast of Tabernacles in the, in the sense of it represents also God's kingdom on this earth. Yes, revival. And, and of course, that scripture, you know, I sort of like this scripture. I mean, maybe I like it too much. And it's talking about preparing for the feast, the tabernacle. You shall bestow that money for whatever your soul lusts after, for oxen, for sheep, or for wine, or for strong drink, or for whatever your soul desires. You shall eat there before the Lord thy God, and you shall rejoice, you and your household. Notice that. You shall rejoice. A good time celebration. I remember one year at the feast, I think it was Lake Tahoe, I went out and bought me a Rambo knife. And I said, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm lusting after a Rambo knife. It was a genuine Rambo knife, you know, and I, I bought that thing at some shop I saw. But anyway, I took that verse literal, literal right there. Okay. And in the last great day, you talk about something that ought to revive us. I mean, think about it. If 80% of the world's population for the last 6,000 years is not condemned to spend eternity in a lake of fire. I mean, think about all the people that have existed for the past 6,000 years. Think about all the infant sacrifices that have gone on for the past 6,000 years. What, these children did nothing 
wrong, deserving of eternal fire or anything like that. I mean, think about, think about all the abortions. Think about, you know, there's a lot to think about. They were just never called at this time. They were not one of the first fruits. Recently, someone commented on my videos, and I was talking about the second resurrection. He said, I've listened to thousands of preachers, but I've never heard this teaching about the second resurrection. And he don't like it either. Believe me, he don't like it. Uh, but it, it doesn't make, if you just think it out, according to mainstream Christian, churchianity, you know, you, you, you've got this immortal soul. If it's good, it goes to heaven. If it's bad, it goes to hell. Okay, immediately goes there. Okay. And then you have the book of life is open, the great white throne judgment. And the book of life is open. And the people in heaven, don't they know where they're at? They've been there thousands of years. I mean, what, you look, open up the book of life, yeah, you're in heaven, okay, you stay here. People in hell, don't they know where they're at? They've been there 2,000 years, burning for all, and then they open up the book of life, yeah, you're in hell, uh, stay where you are, don't come here. You know, I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense. The book of life is open to add new names to the book is the reason that the book of life is there. And I just did a message on this, the message entitled, The Message You Have Never Heard in Church. is a new program that's coming out, hopefully very soon. The Message That You Have Never Heard in Church. And, and maybe never will hear in church, I don't know, unless you, you come across the right church. But it's about the second resurrection. So the closest thing we have to God commanding a revival are the Feast of Jehovah, Levitic, Leviticus 23. A commanded get-together, a commanded assembling of God's people to come together. So what is real revival? What is real revival? What is God's concern? What does God want? Well, here it is, Acts 2 and verse 38. Acts 2 and verse 38. And a lot of what I'm going through is familiar. I mean, it, it's basic, but it's, uh, sometimes it's good to go over the basics here. Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you and, is, and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. You don't want to look, overlook that little last part. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Jesus said, no man can come to me unless the Father draw him. There is a calling, a calling, you know. Uh, uh, I mean, I can relate to the calling. I, I know what it's like not to be disconnected from God. And not that I denied God or, or believed in evolution or anything like that, but I just wasn't connected to God. And so I understand this. No man can come to me unless the Father draw him. It takes a drawing from the Father for people to come to God. Acts 2 and verse 40, Acts 2 and verse 40, and with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourself from this untoward generation. Verse 41, then they gladly received his word and were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Wow, that was a lot going on. Save yourself from this untoward generation. This generation is going to die. And we will die with it unless you save yourself from it. And there's only one way to save ourselves from it. And that, that is to make sure, you know, that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, this is what God is looking for. 
God is not looking for a bunch of people to get together and have a religious experience. He's looking for repentance. Repentance. You know, when you think about it, revival does not change a nation. Because people on the outside that don't believe in God, they don't care about revival. They could care less that the church is having revival. It doesn't change a nation. It's just a, just a bunch of religious people getting together. What God is looking for is a surrender of the will. Not my will, but your will be done. So let's go back to the Great Commission. When I first came into the church of God, this was drummed into my head again and again. It seemed like every Sabbath I went there. The Great Commission was, Henry would read the Great Commission. And, uh, uh, you know, so God, God wants revival. No, God wants us to get up off our backside and fulfill the Great Commission. Okay, what is it? Matthew 28 and verse 18. Matthew 28 and verse 18. And we all have our part. And I think, uh, you know, Cord's message last week revealed that in a powerful way that, that whatever your part may be, you can only reach the people that you were created to reach, you know? I mean, that's it. That's the bottom line. You know, there, there are some people that are going to be attracted to you because of who you are, what you are, and they will only listen to you. They won't listen to other people. And, uh, you know, you can only reach the people that you were created to reach. And Jesus came and spake unto them, Matthew 28 and verse 18, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. You know, I used to, I would, I would think of the Great Commission, and what I would imagine is a room like we got right here, full of people. Only difference, full of people. Uh, <laughs> and disciples wanting to learn. And maybe just people raising their hands and asking questions. I, you know, I, I, and I thought, where, where, where are those people at who are eager to learn? And, you know, and I think about, and we talked about this earlier, with the millions of different opinions on the Internet about God today, you know, people can just get on that machine and just, just spin around in circles for the rest of their lives. I wonder if that technology has not done more harm than good. I know it's good about, you know, if I want to fix, uh, put a new radio in my car and don't know how to do it, and I can ask Google, I mean, I can, I can look it up on YouTube and it will tell you anything about that. But when it comes to a relationship with God and the millions, billions of different opinions, you know, you hear one person hears me, and then, then the next day goes somewhere else and said, no, nah, okay. And, and he's been discredited or whatever. God's not looking for people for another religious experience for people to have. He's looking for a decision. Going to church can be just another religious experience. Again, the word revival is not found in the New Testament. Neither Jesus nor Paul nor other biblical writers encourage prayer for a revival. So let's break it down. What does God want from this nation? Well, let's start with the condition. Let's check the health of our nation. Let's see if it has a heartbeat. Romans 8 and verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So we start with this. 
is this nation led by the spirit of Jesus Christ? And you know, the answer is it comes up short. No heartbeat. We can't detect a heartbeat here. Then Peter said to them, repent. I already read this. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is a decision that each American can make. No one can make that decision for, for you. Do we really believe this is going to happen? You know, I have my doubts. I have my opinions. I don't know. It will never happen from a church or a person that teaches a no-law theology. I know that. You know, if that's what you're teaching, if that's what you believe, if that's the church you go to, the law has been abolished, been nailed, or the cross has been fulfilled, you know, it, it, you're not going to be able to convict people of sin. Minus that. Minus the law. Recently, I made a comment on one of my... Pro, uh, Someone commented on, on the videos and I said, if you're in a church that teaches a no-law theology, leave immediately. Get out. And the comment came back and says, what about all these churches that speak in tongues and say this is a sign that you are saved? I'm in one of these churches and I can't speak in tongues. I said, I've tried to. I've tried to. Can't do it. And so, I, you know, I sent him, you know, a video. On, his misunderstanding is what is speaking in tongues. That's where his misunderstanding is coming from. And so I, I forwarded him a, a video of, of that subject. And hopefully he can watch it and find out exactly what is that. But, you know, it just illustrates the confusion that people can have in our society. Okay, repent. To be sorry. To convert. To turn around. To turn away from. It's like a U-turn. It's what repentance is. Repent of what? Sin. In order to repent, well, you've got to know what to repent of. You know, it's, Lord, I, I accept you as my Savior, but I never understood, you know, wh what my sins were. I never, under, never, never had a clue. That doesn't work that way. Whosoever transgresses sin, uh, whosoever commits sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. So we need to evaluate the Ten Commandments in comparison as to how we are living. Are we as a nation going to do this? To evaluate ourselves to the Ten Commandments as to how we are living. Again, if any man have not the spirit of Christ. He is none of his. Be baptized. And baptism is immersion. It's not sprinkling. It's just not. You know, you know one minister said it's like you know, laying, setting up a dead corpse up against a tree and sprinkling, throwing a shovel full of dirt on them. You know, that's not how you're baptized. You're baptized by immersion, under the water. I think of infants being baptized. Don't agree with that myself, because I, 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 how can an infant know what sin is? You know, I really believe that, you know, before puberty, you, you probably shouldn't be baptized. And uh, Jesus was baptized at age 30. I'm not saying you've got to wait to 30. You know, teenagers can be baptized, obviously. But I'm just saying, you know, there are examples in, in, in the Bible of the way that we should do this.
And of course, in our church, we do something called the laying on of hands. Acts 8 and verse 17, then laid thee their hands on them, and they received the Spirit of God. And you, you know, you can take that for what it's worth. I don't, if you ask a thousand churches, what is the systematic approach to receiving the Spirit of God? How do I receive the Spirit of God? I don't know out of a thousand churches how many would be able to answer that question. You know, we have a publication back there, How to Receive the Spirit of God, and it goes through step-by-step -step process for doing just that. Are Americans just looking for another religious experience? Revival, church going, or are they looking for what God wants, what God de desires? Because I can tell you specifically what God wants from you and me and this nation. A decision, repentance, baptism, receive the Spirit of God. Now there is, I want to close with one more example of not so much revival, but when God gets what he wants. Acts 2 and verse 17. Because I, I just want to compare this to, I talked about the Asbury, Kentucky experience of, okay, the Spirit of God is being poured out and we're having revival here in our church every day. And this lasted for about a week or two. But this tells us when something major is going to happen. And it's in the future. Acts 2 and verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days. What does that tell you? In the last days. Says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens will I pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show signs, wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into, the blo into blood, before that great and notable day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I look at this as an, an event right before, you know, at the end time, right before Christ returns, this is a happening that's going to happen. That people, it's not just revival, people, God's going to get, he's going to pour out his spirit and people are truly, and I think it, it, it extends on after Christ returns that people are going to obviously, I mean, when you read about some of the things that's going on here, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. I mean, that's, that's, there's going to be things that gets people's attention. So don't be, my point is this, don't be hoodwinked, hoodwinked by, and you see it a lot, you know, oh, we're having revival. You know, there's a great move. You know, we're having revival. You know, what, what God wants is true repentance, a decision, baptism, and to receive the Holy Spirit of God. That's what God is looking for.
If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia 24151. Or visit us on the web at Is That Really in the Bible.net. For more information, check us out online at Is That Really in the Bible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program. Worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service. And be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is, is that really in the Bible.net.